they almost always, in my clinical experience, end up backfiring when I see parents do this. They will definitely work right away, like almost instantly. And then all of a sudden, it increases behaviors with no long-lasting skill that was built at all. Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions Podcast for Parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Hello, parents. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about sticker charts, particularly the problem with sticker charts and what we should be focusing on instead. So, Many of you may know, some of you may not know, that I used to be an ABA therapist. And as a former ABA therapist and a current occupational therapist and mom to a four-year-old, almost five-year-old, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am no stranger to sticker charts. I have worked with parents and I continue to work with parents who tell me about this amazing new sticker chart or reward system that they learned about from a teacher or a blog or their behavior therapist. And I'm standing there staring at them or on the video call trying to keep a poker face on because underneath my knee-jerk reaction when I hear sticker charts is, oh no, not again, not another sticker chart. But I try to keep my reaction in check because... I want to connect with these parents and understand where they're coming from. So when I talk about sticker charts, I'm specifically referring to any method of giving a child a token, a sticker, some sort of reward for doing something or not doing something. So for example, you might give your child a sticker or a token every time they share a toy with their sibling, or if they make it through a school day, quote, without incidents or quote, without outbursts. Sometimes the sticker itself or a toy is the reward, but some families add up tokens or stickers to a big reward. Like for every 10 stickers, you get to go to Target and buy a toy. Those are all under the same category of sticker charts, reward charts, behavior charts, things that I am going to be talking about today. Now, before I get fully into it, I want to acknowledge and see and validate parents who are listening currently that either are now are currently doing sticker charts or maybe have done them in the past. I by no means think that you are a bad parent, that you were a bad parent. I don't want you to walk away feeling that way from this episode. If it triggers some sort of guilt or shame in you, I apologize in advance. Remember, we can only do better when we know better. And that's really my entire reasoning behind this podcast, to educate parents of how you can most effectively raise and support your neurodivergent kids. And remember, 
even myself as an OT, I know better for a lot of things. And sometimes I can't do better in those moments. But if this information I share with you on this podcast helps make more of an informed decision on how you discipline your child, then I've done my job. Let's say even after you hear this episode, you've heard all the information and you decide, nope, you know what? I still want to keep using sticker charts. They're working for my family. They're working for my child. Then go for it. There is absolutely not one size fits all approach to being a parent and raising children. I don't know your child. I don't know you. I don't know your circumstances. And the only parenting strategy I can aggressively and confidently say without a doubt, no matter which, no matter how the child is, absolutely not, no way is any sort of physical abuse, any sort of violence, any verbal abuse. But if sticker charts and reward charts are working for you and your child, have at it. You're not going to ruin them. You're not going to ruin them. And that is not the point of this episode. I just want to give you my take on it and for some things for you to keep in mind. So again, throughout the years, especially now being a parent to a neurodivergent kid, I have really built up my compassion and empathy for parents who just are so at the end of their rope and have the best intentions, but just really want to see their child succeed and not be the quote bad kid and to quote just listen to instructions. I get that. And I also appreciate the fact that a sticker chart feels very concrete and actionable and easy to start and do and implement with a child. And to top it off, yes, it can yield some really quick, immediate results. So why would I blame you? I don't. I don't blame parents who want to try this especially when it's so glamorized and easily accessible and one of the first lines of suggestions from Facebook groups, from other parents, even from professionals. I've heard pediatricians recommend this. I've heard even some OTs recommend this. I've heard a lot of different people and professionals say, this worked with this child, so you should do this too. And to be very honest, I know many families who are now, most of the families who come to me in my one-on-one consults have gone through this journey of trying gentle parenting, then sticker charts or some other form, and then finding me because both of the things they were trying weren't working. But I bring them back to the gentle parenting journey in a way that can be sort of translated for neurodivergent kids. So Some families start out their parenting journey fully intending on utilizing gentle parenting techniques, authoritative parenting, whatever you want to call it, and trying very hard. But the results that they were looking for, for example, to stop meltdowns, to stop the hitting, to get their kid to wash their hair, some of those results that they were looking for were not happening in a way or in a time frame that they were expecting. So... Authoritative parenting or conscious discipline, gentle discipline, all of it, where is is the method of parenting where the parent offers love and warmth, co-regulation, and also firm boundaries and discipline. So it's not punishment, but it's still discipline in the sense that you are teaching your child things that they can do in the future. It's not a new concept. It's been around for decades, but I would say in the past like five, 10 years, very much so in the past three years with TikTok 
and Instagram. It's becoming a very trendy parenting technique, which is great because we're all trying to break cycles here and move away from some of the other more punitive measures, right? But the problem is some of the messages that gets put out there can be miscommunicated, watered down, and if if one parent of a neurodivergent child gets the wrong message, it can be really hard to be consistent. So here's an example of how it can quickly get complicated. So let's say a gentle parenting account is sharing a tip on how to handle your child hitting a sibling or another child. And the tip will go something like, get down on their level and say, I won't let you hit your brother. And then they might instruct you to either remove your child or the other child to keep them safe if they hit again. And then you would sit with the child who is hitting and talk to them about their feelings while you validate and help them co-regulate, maybe breed with them. And then some reflection later and like practices and lessons of how to, um, have more emotional regulation, right? All of those scripts, all of those are great things, things that even I do with my daughter. There's nothing wrong with that. But in a on an Instagram post or an Instagram reel or a TikTok reel, you see that tip and then you'll see all of the comments. Majority of the people will respond, yes, I do this with my kid and it works. It took a while, but he's finally starting to say that he's mad. And instead of hitting his brother, he just stomps off. It's great. That's awesome. Okay. But then there's also a few other parents who maybe have no, who know they have neurodivergent kids, or maybe they don't know yet and their child will later be identified as neurodivergent, or they have some sensory needs or emotional regulation needs, or maybe a history of trauma. Like there's so many things that can contribute to how a child develops and how they're responding. But so parents of those kids will see the other comments of like, the comments that say like, yeah, this works for me. These parents then will see those comments and think, well, I did it too. I did it consistently. I did it step by step and it's not quote working. So I guess gentle parenting must not be for me. So then those parents then go searching for alternatives to alternatives to gentle parenting and how you can help behaviors in neurodivergent kids or in kids that are that have bigger emotions. And guess what comes up a lot of the time as an alternative to gentle parenting is things like ABA, sticker charts, timeouts, token charts. And along with that, you get some very glamorous data that shows how quick and easy it is and how it's evidence-based. And guess what? This, this method is also way easier to implement with your child. And maybe the first time you try it within the first day, it works like a charm. I have seen and heard that story many times. So of course, you'd stick to that method over gentle parenting, which was probably harder for you to learn the language and to do without seeing results. So I get it. But here's my one quick side note spiel about gentle parenting because this this is not what the what this episode is about, but I I I do need to address it and give full context since we are kind of talking about the gentle parenting technique. So gentle parenting, authoritative parenting with a neurodivergent child, really with any child, but especially in a neurodivergent child isn't about getting them to stop hitting or stop XYZing. It's about responding to them in a way that shows them that you will consistently show up for them no matter what, 
help them through these stressed, dysregulated moments, and will always teach them to do what to do next time by setting consistent boundaries. You are still setting boundaries. You are still disciplining, but with love and warmth and respect. Now, for neurodivergent kids, the surface behavior can often be related to some sensory need or an emotional regulation challenge that might take some extra interventions to build and support those skills, which by the way, sticker charts do not offer that opportunity. But then your job as a gentle parent and authoritative parent is to provide loving boundaries to keep your child safe and to consistently show up. And when you do that, you're planting the seeds for a better relationship, emotional resiliency, and so much more. No, it's not an immediate effect on behavior, but it is absolutely contributing towards something more impactful, larger scale, and sustainable in their life and in your dynamic and relationship as a caregiver and child. Okay, so now with all of that said, let's talk a little bit more specifics about sticker charts and the problem with sticker charts. Here is my like my main overall gripe with using external rewards like a sticker chart for behavior. First of all, it makes a huge assumption that that child has voluntary control over the behavior itself and the skill to stop the behavior. So not just voluntary control, but the skill to stop it. Those are two separate things. Sticker charts assume that the child is intentionally being bad or doing something on purpose or not doing something on purpose. And giving your child a reward for keeping their hands to themselves assumes that up until that point, they've had complete control over that. And essentially, they've just been doing these behaviors on purpose. And we know that is not the case. We know that kids are inherently good and that they don't do things on purpose to be bad or to manipulate you or other children, even if you think they do. They don't. They are usually communicating a need, a want, an emotion, or a lack in a certain skill set. And sticker charts are just, are compliance-based. Um, wanting your child to comply and conform to the rules that make life more convenient for you. And they have no direct relevance to their internal motivation of doing a certain task. So that's exactly it. What about when you give the sticker and they stop hitting? So that must mean that they were in control the whole time, right? No. What it means is your child might not have the internal motivation yet to stop the behavior, but your shiny external reward sticker or promise of ice cream after school will definitely motivate them. But relying on this external reward and motivation can be a problem long term. Let's talk about when stickers, when sticker charts or reward charts backfire. They almost always in my clinical experience end up backfiring when I see parents do this they will definitely work right away, like almost instantly. And then all of a sudden it increases behaviors with no long lasting skill that was built at all. Sometimes the stickers or the rewards will lose their value or their luster and the child will just start asking for bigger and better or more rewards. 
Sometimes a child will start asking for stickers or rewards for everything else that they already do that was never an issue. For example, maybe you give your child a sticker every time they clean up their toys because cleaning up was always a battle. Maybe now you ask them, hey, can you go put your plate away in the kitchen? And it was something that was never an issue before. They just always did it. But today they're like, well, can I get a sticker if I do that? The other really overlooked thing when it comes to sticker charts is rooted in that reverse psychology concept. I remember learning this way back in undergrad in a psychology class and they talked about when you reward someone for a behavior, even if it's a neutral behavior or something that they even used to like, their brain will start to question why you rewarded them. It must mean that this behavior or this activity is hard or undesirable in its own way because you have to externally reward them. So even if you do this external reward for a task that your child already dislikes doing and you're trying to motivate them by rewarding them for it, it's not going to help them feel more comfortable doing this task or doing it in the long run. They're doing it for that reward or to make something more convenient for you. And that is not what we want to teach them. I do want to insert here that I know this question comes up a lot and I don't really have a firm opinion on this, so I will share this. Um, When it comes to house chores that are beyond what the child is responsible for themselves, I don't really have a strong opinion on earning allowance for that. And this starts to step into like the older kids realm, right? And as you know, I only have a four-year-old and I specialize in working with young kids, preschool age kids. Um, so I don't know what I will do in this household in the future, but when I think about it, earning money for sweeping the floor or emptying the dishwasher, I feel like it might not be as bad to earn allowance for that. That's because I think that it does relate to the real world where you can be paid for doing labor like that. I don't know, again, if I'll do that in my house, but I do want to differentiate that specifically from using sticker and rewards to change your child's behavior on emotional regulation. And cleaning up their own toys or doing their homework does not count as chores and should be should not be incentivized if you expect them to do it on their own. So hopefully that makes sense. And the other piece that I never talk about too is potty training. I am not a potty training specialist, potty learning specialist. I have no comment on using sticker charts for pottying, potty learning, so I'm going to leave that part there. I am specifically talking about sticker charts used to like stop hitting or sticker charts to for used to clean up or sticker charts used for trying foods, anything that you would like your child to be more internally motivated to do. So I want to make it clear again, though, that I'm... I'm not completely rigid, like I'm not canceling stickers forever. We have stickers in this house. My daughter gets toys and prizes from her dentist after a checkup or she gets a lollipop or a sticker from the doctor after a vaccine. I am 100% totally fine with that, not opposed to it at all. But how those things are different is a few things. One, they're not given by me directly. Two, They're just like an unconditional thing with no condition. She doesn't have to not cry in order to get the sticker from the doctor. 
she literally just gets them for showing up, no matter how much she cries or is worried about, or if she doesn't even get to doing the cleaning at the dentist, if she was nervous about it, they would still give her a free toothbrush and a bouncy ball from their prize box or whatever it is. And the other big difference is those stickers and rewards and prizes are not manipulating or trying to change or discourage or encourage any kind of social emotional behavior. It's meant to just make the entire event, like dentists and doctors, less negative and less fear-provoking. And I certainly don't use those things in a way to bribe her. I'm not like, all right, we're going to the dentist today and if you cry, then you're not going to get that bouncy ball at the end or you're not going to get that prize box or whatever it is. I don't even bring those things up. Sometimes she'll remember, oh, I can't wait to go to the dentist today because after I get a sticker. Sure, that's totally fine and is something that's that's different than what I'm talking about in this episode. And the other pushback or sometimes comments or things that I get from people where they're like, but Laura, what about... The one thing is that people say is like, well, I'm an adult and I like reinforcement, positive reinforcement myself. Like I like to buy myself a new pair of shoes or a new purse if I do this task or little things like we'll treat you'll like treat yourself to a special dessert or something if you finish whatever task it is at home. There's so many different ways to do this that people are like, well, I reinforce myself all the time. Yes, that is also totally different. You are rewarding yourself. You are motivating yourself to do something. No one is dangling it in front of you. So you are in control of that. Yeah, I've moted myself too to finish the laundry by saying, well, I'm going to watch this super trashy TV show to make laundry less annoying or less frustrating to have to deal with and more more appealing to do, more attractive to do if, if, if I get to do it while sipping a glass of wine. Those are things that I use to motivate myself. I'm self-monitoring and self-regulating that. My husband isn't sitting there bribing me or being like, I'm going to take that TV remote away if you don't finish folding that laundry. Like, <laughs> that would be a huge issue. But that is not the same as when parents or teachers use sticker charts, reward charts, token charts to track and change and manipulate a certain social emotional behavior in your child. And sticker charts are not just at home. They are in the classroom everywhere. And that's a whole other problem and can contribute to a lot of things like anxiety or just different or bigger behaviors in other places. I'm actually pretty worried about my daughter's kindergarten classroom next year because I've heard that they use some reward system similar to this. I'm going to be keeping an eye on this and we'll update you if anything comes of it, but I am definitely closely monitoring how she responds to those types of uh, classroom management behaviors, classroom behavior management systems. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so let's take a breath here. I know I dumped a lot on you. It was very opinionated, but I really do think it's time for us to break the cycle of leaning on sticker charts and reward charts. But take a breath. Remind yourself, I am a good parent. I am a good teacher. I want the best for my child and I have not ruined them. I am learning new ways to support them. You are not a bad parent. You are not a bad therapist or a bad teacher. But I do want you to know that there are alternatives to sticker charts 
The problem is it doesn't often give such a quick return or very glamorizing proof that it works, especially for neurodivergent kids. So what to do instead of sticker charts completely varies per child and per skill and per family. It's everybody is different. Every family is different, but you need to start by identifying what the underlying skill is that your child is missing to adapt that behavior. Sometimes it's very clear. Sometimes it's a sensory processing skill. Sometimes it's a fine motor skill. Sometimes it's an executive functioning skill. Sometimes it's not so clear. So if you want to learn how I decode behaviors and break them down into underlying triggers, then check out my sensories behavior course for parents. You can go to the otbutterfly.com slash behavior, but I'm going to give you some quick examples for you to start thinking that way and for you to think about. Let's say you have a child who has huge aggressive meltdowns after the TV time is over. Even if you use the timer, you've done everything and they're really lacking the emotional regulation um, to control those really big aggressive actions. Giving them a sticker every time they turn off the TV without melting down does not teach them social emotional skills. It teaches them to mask their big emotions to make life more convenient for you and that a sticker will do that. A child who says mean words or throws things or storms off when it's time to do homework might be lacking in executive functioning skills or confidence with academics or maybe visual challenges or fine motor challenges. Giving them a sticker every time they start homework does not provide them with the support through those challenges and would make it less likely that they would do homework without external rewards in the future. A child who is being aggressive at school with peers may be sensitive to all kinds of sensory inputs or sight and might be responding with fight or flight. Or maybe they have a lack of communication skills or processing skills that make social interaction hard for them from a processing perspective. Giving them a sticker every time they share a toy or that they don't hit a child does not provide them with the skills to better participate in a social interactive setting. It teaches them to shut down or to fake a particular social skill for you. But you see how it can vary from scenario to scenario or simply asking your child and simply asking your child not to hit or to share a toy or to do homework for a sticker, a token, or some other relevant reward is not really helping their long-term development. Because what are you going to do when they're seven, eight, or nine and they're still look, they're still putting their hand out for you to give them a reward for something that, that they did? So here's the million dollar question. What do you do? As I said earlier, it totally depends per child and per situation, especially when we're talking about neurodivergent kids. So you really need to get close and comfortable with understanding their behavior and what causes it. But I'm going to give you a very specific example so that I can flesh out as many of the details as possible. I can't do this for every behavior because again, it definitely depends, but this is my thought process. So let's say you have a preschooler who keeps getting notes from the teacher at school that they are hitting other kids, grabbing toys, being very aggressive around social interactions. For this case, let's say we know that your child is sensory sensitive based on the pattern of behaviors that you've been noticing at home and that loud sounds is a trigger for him. One thing I'd suggest first is by supporting that need and offer noise-reducing headphones around loud or chaotic group playtime. 
If it always happens during Lego time, try putting them on during Lego time or right before Lego time. Another thing is I would do a lot of social stories and role playing to practice and model expected safe behaviors around children. Then I'd also make sure the teacher has a plan in place to enforce safety boundaries, to enforce those boundaries, not just by asking over and over, give your, give that child his toy back, sit back, give them space. If your child is having a hard time doing that, your teacher needs to, the teacher needs to enforce those boundaries by safely removing him from that environment and not letting him do it again. That is a boundary. And I agree that that needs to stop. We're not going to let your child keep hitting other kids, but they can't keep placing the responsibility on your four-year-old child who is neurodivergent to all of a sudden just like push a button and stop all these behaviors. He might need help. So before the Legos, though, I would remind the child, Legos stay in the carpet and hands are for building. Hands are not for hitting. When I see a Lego being thrown, I will, it will be time to take a break and we will sit together in that, on that corner or whatever, wherever they're going to, to sit. Then when the teacher sees a Lego thrown or yelling or other aggression, then remind the child of the boundary and enforce it and have them take a break from the Legos. It's not a timeout, not alone. Obviously, this is a very specific and extreme example, and you might be thinking like, well, that won't work for my kid. I know, every child is different. Every teacher, every classroom, every home, everything is different. But this is the thought process of how you can support them and co-regulate them and teach them emotional regulation skills in a more impactful effective way and that's what's best for our kids they need specific plans and supports put in place that work for them is this plan going to stop that child from hitting the next day probably not would a sticker chart make them stop hitting the very next day maybe maybe not sticker charts could even end up backfiring and maybe other behaviors pop up but maybe it does help the next day Then zoom out and ask yourself, though, what exactly are you teaching your child in those moments? What are you really teaching them in those moments? Are you teaching them it's not okay to hit? Or are you teaching them that if they want this sticker, they have to follow your rule? What are you really teaching them? Sometimes the better, more long-lasting results are worth waiting for. And I want you to not only trust this process, but believe in the process, relish the process, and know it's the right process for your child. If you want help coming up with strategies and replacement for sticker charts and supporting them in the classroom or at home, and you want specific examples, I help clients do this through my one-on-one parent coaching. And you can find more information in the link in my show notes or by heading to the otbutterfly.com forward slash parent consult. All right, that's it for this episode. I hope it was helpful. Please know you're a great parent. You're a great teacher just by being here and taking time in your day to listen to this. I will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT Butterfly. See you next time.